Great. So, good morning. It's really a great privilege to be with you. Thank you for the opportunity, Vesi and, and the elders. Uh, don't count it lightly and, and really believe that I've got a, a very, very specific word um, this morning and trust that God would use this word to, to not only, you know, challenge us, but to bring transformation, not only in this church, but in our city and places where we go. So just quickly, um, while you turn, let's, let's turn to James 3, um, probably a well-known passage to most, and uh, we're going to talk about that little thing called the tongue, and uh, the, I, I can so wonderfully talk about it, because you know, I can always perfectly diagnose in others the thing I struggle with myself, so this is definitely an area where God is really challenging me on, and um, I think where I probably fail most and succeed but uh, with God's help, we will continue to become more like His Son, even especially in the words that we speak. So as you get there, maybe just a context. Um, as you've been going through, um, you know, just this theme of crossing over, I don't know if you know or realize, but, you know, life on this side of the Jordan is very different to life on the other side of the Jordan. And one of the things that is very different if you think what caused a whole nation to miss out on a great inheritance God had for them was this little thing called the tongue. Because God says, because they brought a bad report, eh? they literally steered a whole generation away from the purposes of God. What was an 11-day journey became a 40-year wilderness wandering. Eh? And that's why in the promised land, one of the things that is so crucial is as the tongue kept them out of it, so the tongue is what keeps us in it and allows us to actually possess and take a hold of everything God has got for us. And I think that's why it's so important what Brahma was sharing, because by yourself you can't do much. But I love the picture of the ants, even a massive stone that many of us in brute strength cannot pick up or even move, together, eventually that stone is lifted to a place where it can even fall off, off of that nest. So the beautiful thing about, you know, crossing over is that together we possess the land. Together we are able to inherit the promises and the purposes of God, because this life was never meant to be lived alone. Never. This idea that I can, it's just me and Jesus, and good luck to the rest. No, no, Jesus is not over there. Jesus is actually with his flock. He's with those that actually the family that stands together. So let's, let's read Taming the Tongue. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. 
The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Not a very thing you probably stitch on a pillow. Hey. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And Father, we want to ask you to speak to us. Lord, I want to pray that your words will become alive and active to us, Lord. Lord, I want to pray, Holy Spirit, as we said earlier, we are, you are welcome here. We want you to move unhindered and uninhibited in this place. We want you to bring about transformation. We want you to help us to, to tame our tongues, to use our tongues for good and not for evil, Lord. May you be glorified through everything that happens here today, we pray. Amen. So, life in the promised land. You know, God always takes us out to take us in. God always delivers us from slavery to bring us into freedom. And that's why it is so important where, where, you know, that we talk about the tongue. Because, as I said, the tongue which took a generation away from the purposes of God is actually the instrument we want to use to inherit and possess the purposes of God. So James says, of all the parts of our bodies, the tongue is the most important one. Because it is like a bit in a horse's mouth. The tongue is like a steering wheel for your whole body, directing it hey, in a certain direction. So powerful that your tongue, do you know, is able to steer your whole life your marriage, your family, your finance, your workplace, your sphere of influence towards a godly or a destructive destination. And if you're a disciple of Jesus, do you know your tongue is even more powerful? Because does the God who created everything with His mouth not live in the believer? Does the God who made and spoke everything into being, does He not live inside of us? Which means that our words become far more weighty or powerful than we actually realize. And that's why the Word says, you know what? Our life and death is in the power of the tongue. And when we speak the words of God, it is able to produce, it's able to create, it's able to transform situations. Not because we are so amazing, but because the amazing God is inside of us. You see, Jesus understood this. That is why He said, I only speak what the Father tells me to say. Hey? I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. This is Jesus. Why? Because our words have power to shape, to create to transform, to heal, to break down, to build up, 
to murder someone's reputation, to gossip, to edify, to encourage. So in this year, 2019, what will you use your tongue for? Will you use it to bring about life? Or will you use it as an instrument of death? Life and death is in the power of this small little thing in here. So let's have a look at our text. So what we see here is basically three pictures trying to explain the power of the tongue. The first one is a bit or a bridle in a horse's mouth. And again, that small little thing is able to steer the whole animal. Next we see a rudder on a ship. So the tongue is not only able to steer a living thing, it's also like a rudder able to steer a dead thing. With the whole crew and the entire cargo on a ship, wherever the pilot wants it to go. Hey, something underground, we don't even see the rudder. But massive ships are able to be steered by that small little thing that's beneath the surface. And lastly, the tongue is like a spark or a flame that can ignite a whole environment or a whole area. So the tongue is like a steering wheel able to steer living things, able to steer dead things, and able to ignite or steer whole environments or situations. So let's start with the living thing, the horse. Now, I don't know if you know, but horses are not born with bridles. Okay, that would be quite a complicated birth, as you know. You have to train it. You have to break it in. You have to make it obey you. And even then, some horses that have been trained and have put bridles on are still not easy to lead. The champion horse, the useful horse, the horse we all make movies about and celebrate is which horse? It's the one who's able to be steered by the slightest tug of its rider, isn't it? Who responds to the smallest tug of the rider. This is such a good picture of how discipleship works. Because no one is born wanting to obey God. If you've got children, you'll realize they need a bridle. Hey, they don't come with a default setting of obedience and listening and whatever you want them to do. So our default setting that we are born with is to run wild, to rebel, to disobey. Because of the sinful nature that we are born with, that is why... We need to be born again. That's why we need a new nature because we don't need a little modification. We need to be transformed. We need to receive a new heart that is willing and desiring to obey God and to do His things. So we come to God into His kingdom, into His fold as an unbridled horse. And what does He then do? He wants to put a bridle in our mouths. So that we can be steered in the direction that leads to life. Hey. And yes, it does feel uncomfortable. Yes, it does feel a bit unnatural. Often where, especially in the beginning, if God wants to steer us in His way, because our desire is to go another way. But God actually knows the way that leads to life. And the way that we will be led into the way that leads to life is if we surrender to His leading to his steering so again the context is we want to live in the fullness and the the purposes of god in our lifetime but we need to be steered we need to surrender to the rider hey to be able to steer us in that direction that's why it says the sons of god 
The children of God are led by the Spirit of God. God wants to lead us by His Spirit into a great future and a great inheritance. And that's why the destination and usefulness of our life will be to the proportion. You want to be used by God? You want to live a life that counts? You want to live a life that Jesus says, well done to you one day? It will be in proportion to the measure that you surrender to Him, guiding you, steering you in the road that He wants to take us. Accepting His will, His ways, His guidance. That's why Frank Sinatra's song, I Did It My Way, it may be sold lots of CDs. I don't think he's singing it now anymore. Hey? Not just because he's dead. But we have this song in our heart of, I want to do it my way. But God says, no, no, I want you to do it my way. Hey. Led by His Spirit and not by our emotions and appetites and, and all of these things. Yet sadly, many believers resist this yoke. Many are living an unbridled life. For without a bit in my mouth, my, I will be like an unbridled horse. And I don't know if you've seen an unbridled horse. It's not long before it throws you off. Hey. So what are the unbridled areas in your life? Because remember, the horse, then the rudder, then the situation that we were set alight. You see, friends, we want to change worlds. We want to change our families. We want to change situations. But all of that proceeds firstly accepting the bridle. Unless I can be bridled, I cannot be steered, and I can then not ignite situations in my life. So what are unbridled areas in your life? Maybe it's sexuality. Is it unbridled? Is it an unbridled area? What about finance? What about a lack of discipline? What about greed? And don't think, you know, often people without money could be the greediest people. So don't think if I don't have much money that I cannot suffer from greed. Maybe you are unbridled in the area of your emotions. Your emotions quickly makes you like a jumping all over the place like a horse. Jesus says, now actually I want to bring peace. I want to bring guidance in that area. Maybe it's around the area of eating. Maybe it's about disrespecting authority. Maybe it is about entertainment, laziness, excuses, lies. There are so many areas of our lives that is not bridled. So how do we get control over these areas? Is it to do it less? Is it through willpower? White-knuckled willpower? Eh? We keep saying it until we believe it. Now it's actually Holy Spirit's power. It actually is surrendering to the Spirit. It's actually surrendering to God to bridle me. And you will see how those unbridled areas will soon become bridled areas as He leads me in this way. So we have to allow the rider, King Jesus, to guide us, which means we have to surrender to His bit in our mouths so that we can be steered in the direction that He wants us to go. So have you accepted His bridle? You see, friend, we cannot do great things for God. We cannot change situations and circumstances if I've not accepted the bridle. Hey? Who is steering you? Is it your emotions? Is it the news? Is it bad reports? What is steering you? 
Only Jesus through the Holy Spirit is able to steer us into a life of significance in a great future with God. So, next we see, so, un, so firstly the bridle for ourselves. Next we see that the tongue is also powerful to even steer dead things. So when I live a bridled life, God can start to use me in situations, dead things like ships, to steer dead situations. For as small as the rudder is compared to the size of the ship, the rudder determines in what direction the ship and even everyone on board of the ship is going towards. Think of Joseph. In Egypt, he was a rudder. He was able to steer a whole nation in a different direction. Hey? Think of Daniel. Think of Esther. Think how many examples we have of those who accepted the guidance of Christ and was able to be used as a rudder to steer generations and nations towards the purposes of God. For as small as the rudder is compared to the ship, the rudder determines what destination the ship goes to. So do you know that when Israel was delivered from Egypt, their GPS that they put, you know, they, you know into their, what's it, their chariots, was the destination there was Canaan. And that was where they were heading. And this was God's intended destination for them, but they, where did they end up? Not there. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a trick question, eh? Hey? <laughs> it's like that trick question of which hand is the grasshopper? You know? So, so what happened to them? What happened to them? They kept resisting God's leading. They kept refusing God's direction. They kept refusing God's bit in their mouths, wanting to take them in a different way, which meant that they kept going in circles. That's why it kept saying, rerouting. For my Afrikaans friends, rerouting. Okay. Rerouting. Rerouting. Constantly. And that's what happens is, you know, whenever the, the problem is, Either I go the way God wants to take me, or I'll just keep on rerouting. Just keep going around the same mountain. And there's people for their whole lives, they're just going around the same mountain, the same challenges, the same things. Hey? Year after year, decade after decade. Why? Because you are not willing to let God lead you. Hey? So why did they keep on going in circles? Because their tongues... The rudder that was meant to steer them into the intended de- you know, destination actually steered them away from it. What was it that, that differentiated the two spies from the ten spies? Their tongue. It says that they brought a bad report. And because of that report, they put fear in the hearts of many people, which kept steering them in a different direction. They wanted to go back to Egypt or back anywhere. Just nowhere where God actually wanted to take them. Back to the familiar that they knew. So what is the lesson? How is it possible for 10 people to steer a whole generation away from the purposes of God? The tongue. Eh? So if the tongue again, I say, if it can steer us away, how much can it steer us in the right direction? We've had the privilege yesterday, you know, of, 
of just, you know, speaking or listening to Dave and to Kilton. And I'm sure there are many rudders right here. Rudders. People who are busy steering this situation, this city, this country in different directions. They're busy steering it. Why? Because the first thing is you just, Jesus is all over them. Because they have accepted the bit in their mouths. And that's why God is able to use them to busy steer even dead situations and circumstances. You see, friend, God wants to take us into Christ-likeness. Into actually living a life that the nations will come to and say, we see you have the living God. We can see that you have been with Jesus. When the world is all messed up and the country is in tatters, how much more, how great an example or opportunity is it for the church to show we actually have the solid ground? Eh? We often look at the shakings and the things, but actually we are the ones standing on solid ground. Like never before is, is it an opportunity for us, you know, in our nation and this nation and, and all over the world where there's shakings and things that people have trusted in for many years are just disappearing in front of them to see, but actually there's a city on the hill that's standing that we can go to, that we can build our lives on. Hey. So a bit or a rudder, you would say, well, yeah, that's all wonderful, but it means nothing if there's no forward momentum. And you see, here's the problem. We mistakenly think that we are not moving. We are mistakenly thinking that time is standing still. If I look at this thing around my waist, my, I won't say waist, my wrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if only my wrist was, my waist was like my wrist. Eh? Every second, every second passing, we cannot get it back again. Every second we are moving in a direction. You might think you're not steering. You might think it's okay, but you are being steered somewhere. Either you are just like a stick floating down a river, or you are being steered upriver by Jesus into a different path. Every second of every day, you are moving towards something, to some end destination. So it begs the question, what area or direction are you heading towards to what destination are you leading the the road that leads to life or a different road what if i told you for the next 24 hours you will have everything you said last week what would you get would your words change would you be more careful about what you say whom you say what to. For the next 24 hours, you can have, you will have everything you said. Would there be, would you have life or would you have death? So let me show you lastly how God has set you up to be a rudder right where you are. You see, some say, well, I'm the only believer in my household, in my family, in my workplace, in my school, in my multinational company, in the government. I'm the only believer then praise God, there's a rudder. Hey, there's a rudder. 
doesn't matter how big that situation is. This is what this is saying. It's not the size of the ship. It's the rudder that steers it. There is someone now who can be used to even steer a dead ship, a dead situation, a dead circumstance into a different way. But I'm not the boss. I'm not the husband or the leader or I'm not the president. What can I do? Do you really think that they are steering? That is so last season. That is our Old Testament thinking. Eh? Now, friend, let me tell you, God is steering everything. God is involved intricately in the details of our lives. Have you even seen someone knitting? Stitch by stitch. It takes time. A lot of time. Eh? That's how God has woven you together. Stitch by stitch in your mother's womb. That God is intricately and intimately involved in every aspect of your lives. He is the God who walks amongst us. He is the God who is in our midst. He is the God who is steering everything. Only the fool thinks that they are steering and in control. I love Proverbs says, The king's heart is like a stream of water in the hands of God. He directs it wherever he wants to, like a hand guiding a stream. So you thought you're, you're in your job or stuff, you know, to survive or to provide for your family. Actually, you know where you are every day from Monday to Saturday when you're not here? You actually have been placed there to be a rudder, to steer that place, that sphere of influence in a different direction. For if the tongues of ten men can steer a whole generation, can you imagine what this group of people here, the tongues of this group can do if it accepts the bridle and be steered by Jesus? Can you imagine what this nation, what can happen in this nation? And I say there's already people here that is busy doing it, steering it in a different direction. Oh, but my situation is so big. It is so hopeless. It's so dead. How dead? How big? Like a big ship? A oil tanker maybe? A cruise ship? What steers all of those big dead things? A small rudder. God has called you and me, friend, to be a rudder. Right where you are. Right where you are. It's not the size of the rudder but to what the rudder is connected to. Hey, see, here's the scary thing. If I will not be the rudder, God will just raise up another one. Hey, those 10 spies didn't want it, so Joshua and Caleb wanted it, so God gave it to them. God used them. So only those who accept the bridle of Jesus, and that's a daily thing. That's why he says, take up my cross and put in, yeah, so put in this bit and follow me daily will be able to be used as a rudder. You see, the rudder is for your situation. The bridle is for you. So if you accept the bridle, if you take up his yoke, then you'll become a rudder. And what starts happening? Sparks, our third picture, will start to fly. I accept the rudder. God starts steering dead things in my life. And what happens is when things start going in a different direction than others want, sparks start flying. Hey, 
Have you tried standing up for God? Have you tried going in the direction of God? Often it comes with resistance. And then we're like, oh, Lord, why me? What have I done wrong, Lord? Hey? Now, actually, friend, resistance, this picture shows us, actually is what starts to ignite sparks. Hey? And the beautiful thing about sparks is there sparks in your sphere of influence right now? Then praise God, because what James says, sparks. When I speak positive, when everyone speaks negative, when I bring a good report, when everyone's bringing a bad report, sparks start flying, and it starts to ignite other hearts around you. That's why Kilton, Dave, and others, this King City Church, may sparks fly here. Sparks. So that situations and circumstances can be set alight. When we surrender ourselves to the rudder to be steered by Jesus, not only will He steer your situation and circumstances, He will ignite others. That's why James says, this, like a spark, that it can ignite the whole place. So that is the word, friends. Accept the bridle. So Jesus can steer you to be a rudder. So that sparks can fly and ignite situations and circumstances all around you. The power of the tongue. Hey, this small little thing can actually be a great gift and a powerful weapon in the service of God. Okay.